Welcome to DP City Church Podcast. Connect, grow, serve. Well, good morning again. (laughs) Happy Sunday again. Hey, listen, I have a really good message for you guys. I'm super excited about it. So how many have ever found themselves kind of in the same scenery? Like you ever had situations in your life where you're almost like a deja vu? Uh, I feel like I've been here before. I feel like I've responded this way. I feel like I've had this happen to me before. This has been a generational thing. You ever, anybody ever said that? Come on, y'all have parents. I mean, I love my parents. My, My parents are perfect. Saved by grace. All right. So this morning, we're going to talk about psychopath. Now, I don't mean like psycho, like you're psycho. I mean like a cycle. How many have ever been in a cycle? Same thing over and over again. And the worst part is when you recognize it, but then you keep moving. Right? Come on. I'm not the only one. I may or may not have bad moods. Anybody ever had a bad mood? Raise your hand a little higher. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Or maybe in relationships or habits or finances or just relationships with your family and your marriage, with your kids, just in general, job-wise, whatever it is, sometimes we find ourselves on the same cycle over and over again. And I believe that God has a place for us that is cycle-free, not psycho-free, because we all have some psycho friends, right? I got some people I think are psycho worthy. Just saying. I'm going to move on. (laughs) But a psychopath is someone who, not to be confused with psychopath, finds himself on the hamster wheel of life. You ever said that phrase? I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel. It's like the same thing over and over. I get up in the morning. I go to work. I come home. I have dinner. We take a shower. We go to bed. I get up in the morning. I go to work. And everything in between is always kind of the same, never really unfamiliar. It's just comfortable, but it's not really good. Anybody ever had a life, but not like a a really good life? Maybe a good life, but not really a God life. Anybody ever know anybody like that, right? It's always good to talk about people we know. So let's act like we're talking about somebody else. Anybody know somebody who has a good life, but not necessarily a God life? All right. All right. So here's the thing. I know Pastor Bob and Susan in the past have talked about, you know, in the 90s, we had this this revival period in our church. We had a flood of people come in. They were getting saved, healed, delivered, set free. We would have these long altar calls up front. We had prayer ministries. We had intercessors, and we we do all that stuff. We still have people getting saved, delivered, set free. But there was a point where it was, we would stay late after every service, and people were just really hungry for the things of God. And it was not bad at all. But I remember there was a point where... I, I, I rarely dream. Anybody in my same boat? I rarely dream. And if I do, I don't remember. I think God knows I need my beauty sleep, so he kind of leaves me alone. So if I remember, I'm like, oh, I probably need to figure this one out. So during this time, I had this really short dream. But in this dream, I was at the edge of a mountain, and I had a backpack on, and I was in a group, and we were all going up this mountain. We were all really excited. We're going up. We're climbing up to the top of this mountain. And it was a hard trek, it was a hard journey, and it it took a while, but we got to this point where it overlooked the valley, and and you could see everything down below. It was really pretty. There was a waterfall. We were all getting refreshed, getting a drink of water. It was amazing, and so we thought, gosh, we're going to camp here. 
let's uh, put our tents up and we're going to sleep here. We'll get up in the morning, kind of keep going on the journey. So we did that. We, we put our tents up. We slept. And when I got up in the morning, I had this urgency in my dream that we needed to like pack up and let's, let's get going. Let's move on. But as I stepped out of my tent, I realized people were starting to build homes and they were like planting seeds for farms and they were having children and it was like they were planting their life in this place of refreshment, which was not bad. But how many know you, dessert is good, but if you have dessert all the time, uh, you kind of miss the nutrients, you know? It's good, but too much dessert, not, not too good. So I get up and I'm like, come on, we got to get moving. No, 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 we're staying. This is amazing. We got fresh water. Look at the beautiful valley. And so at the end of the dream, I wake up and I remember kind of mulling it over and I felt like God said, you know, sometimes we camp in the comfortable and sometimes we settle and think this is what God has for us, not realizing that was what God gave us in a season. And we have turned around and made a season into our cycle and it becomes something that we camp there when God was like, no, 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 that, that was a time of refreshing. Now you need to move on. Now you need to get back on the journey. Keep moving because I've got more higher up for you than what you have down in the valley. And you're not in the valley anymore. You're kind of on a hilltop, but that's not the top of a mountain. How many know a hilltop can be nice, but the view at the top of Mount Everest is way better than the view at Mount San Jacinto, right? I've never been to Mount Everest, but I've seen photos. It looks way different than Mount San Jacinto. So I felt like God was saying, you know, sometimes we get comfortable sitting in this area going, oh, we're being refreshed and we have water and we have the view. But God's like, no, you, you get what you need and then take it and move on because I've got something else at the next part and then at the next part and then at the next part. And eventually you're going to see the wonders of God that he has for us. But if you stop where you are, you kind of get only a taste of it. That's not the full taste of it. How many know a waterfall comes from somewhere, right? It all comes from somewhere. So these people in this dream had made their home in what was meant to be a season. So I want to talk today about cycles. And I thought, you know, who best in the Bible to talk about cycles than Jacob? How many remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Okay, so Jacob and Esau. Jacob was actually prophesied to be a deceiver even before he was born. How would you like those odds? Like, hey, you're going to have a kid and he's going to be a deceiver and a schemer long before you ever have him born. I never realized that until I started studying this story. So it says this in Genesis 25. It says, But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? Doesn't that sound like a mom? <laughs> so she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, and he was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. How would you like that description? I've met some grizzly Adams. Okay. Afterwards, this brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was 60 years old when he bore them. So Esau comes out, he's red, he's hairy, he's a strong, a strong boy, and Jacob comes out grabbing the heel of the brother, trying to take it, take what's, what's first. So basically Jacob grows up being known as the deceiver, the one who schemes, the one who always tries to take what doesn't necessarily belong to him. And you know, in those times, 
when you leave an inheritance, it wasn't, it wasn't like we sign a document today and you get a lawyer and you stamp it and off it goes. A father would take the firstborn and they would give them a blessing. And it wasn't just a blessing like money and something physical. It was spiritual. It wasn't just spiritual. It was spiritual and physical. So being the firstborn was a big deal. And so it was a, a site of contention for both Jacob and Esau, even though it was prophesied even in the mother's womb, this is going to be a site of contention. So Jacob grows up knowing, everybody knows, he's the one who grabbed the brother's heel, tried to take the birthright. But it says in the Bible that as they got older, I don't know about you, but I always thought when I was told the Bible stories in kids' church, I don't know, we need to talk to Tori about this, I always thought they were teenagers. Like, oh, they're dueling teenagers. But they were in their 40s. In their 40s. Anybody ever had siblings or family members that are rivals in their 40s? Right? So in their 40s, they're still arguing about who's going to be the one who gets the birthright. And so it says that one day Esau goes out because Esau is the one who is known as the hunter. He's the strong one. Jacob's the one. He stays kind of homeside. He's in the tent. He's the homemaker. He cooks. You know, one has the arrows and the bow, and one has the pan, right? So one cooks, one is strong, one is a homemaker, one kind of takes what is cooked, and they, they take care of it. So one is more loved by the father, and one is more loved by the mother. The one, Jacob, is more well-known by Rebecca, the mom. So it says that Esau goes out in Genesis 25. It says, let's see. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary, and Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with, that, with uh, that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Now, is that not somebody who's already being a schemer? Can't it tell me that there weren't more stories, just didn't make it in the Bible. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Now, just a side note, men, when you're really hungry and tired, you're not going to die. I'm not going to die. Dinner can wait. You'll be okay. Just a thought. Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So really you have Esau who is the strong one. He's the hunter. But obviously he's not really into spiritual things. He doesn't really understand what that truly means. Well, Jacob, he's the deceiver. He's always wanting the first. I want the first. I want the best. I deserve it. You don't deserve it. I deserve it. And so he schemes, and he gets what he wants. But they're in their 40s. So we skip to years later. They actually believe in their 70s now. So 30 years have passed since the birthright has been sold to Jacob. And Esau has not told his father that he no longer can have the birthright. He sold it. He doesn't deserve it. So technically, Jacob didn't steal the birthright, right? He deceived him out of it, but he didn't steal it. He kind of schemed. You ever know people? Or have you ever been somebody that you kind of manipulate your way to get what you want? Anybody know those people? Obviously not us. Not us, I know. Never us. So it says, it says in the story that, that the dad, Jacob, I'm sorry, the dad, Isaac, goes to Esau and says, listen, I'm about to die. I want to give you the birthright. So go out and kill something so that we can have a big dinner and I can pray a blessing over you. 
Esau has an opportunity to say, listen, Dad, 30 years ago, I kind of sold it off for a meal. But he doesn't, so he goes out. Well, Rebecca, the mom, hears that the dad is going to give a blessing. So he goes to Jacob and says, listen, she goes to Jacob and says, listen, we need to plan this out right. You deserve what belongs to you. You deserve the birthright. So they go out, they kill two goats, they put hair on his hands because Esau is a really hairy guy. Jacob obviously is not. And they go to deceive the dad. How many have ever deceived your parents? Sierra, Cheyenne, are you in here? What's up? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Isaac, the father, is laying in bed. So Jacob comes in with this stew. And he says, Dad, I, I've, I've made a meal, so I'm ready for the birthright, acting as though he's Esau. So it says this in Genesis 27. So he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may be blessed. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Now, let me backtrack. He said, How have you brought it to me so quickly, my son? And Jacob says, Because the Lord your God has brought it to me. Sometimes we make decisions based on what we believe the other people believe. We don't truly believe. So at this point, Jacob truly doesn't know who God is. He believes that his dad knows who God is, but that God is not his God. It says, Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. You should always check on your discernment when you feel it. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. So don't you find it ironic that first we hear of Jacob and Esau, and we hear that it's prophesied that Jacob is going to be a deceiver and a schemer. And then we find out in their 40s that Jacob is just that. And he schemes, and he finds a way to get the blessing that doesn't belong to him, but he takes it anyway. He sells it. He schemes. He manipulates a blessing for himself. Let me warn you, sometimes when you think you have a blessing, and it looks like a blessing, if it's not from God, it is not a true blessing. It's good, but it may not be God. Anybody ever made a good decision, but not a God decision? Mm, They're not always good. So you can see at this point in his life, now we're at 70 years old, and he has now got a blessing from his father that is not his. Maybe by manipulating, but in the true sense, it doesn't belong to him. It belongs to his brother. And so it says that, that the dad blesses him. Esau comes back in the story, and they realize what has happened. And so Jacob, he leaves. He flees. He realizes this is going to be a really bad situation. I've now taken my brother's blessing and inheritance, so I'm going to leave. So they take off. How many know that you attract in your life what you are? You ever notice that? You know, if you are a happy person, a lot of times you're around a lot of happy people. If you're a depressed person, a lot of times you attract depressed people. Not always. Sometimes God puts people in your life to help you change them, to be that person, right? 
to be that person to help them, to move them along. But a lot of times, you attract the same situation that you keep going through in a cycle over and over and over because like minds go with like minds, which isn't always good. So it says that Jacob is out, and it says 27 years later. They believe now he's 97 years old. 97. So now he's away, Jacob is, and during that time he goes and he marries but how many remember the story of Jacob and Leah and Rachel? He goes and he finds the love of his life. I want to marry Rachel. So he goes into the dad. I want to marry your daughter. Yes, work for me for seven years. You guys remember the story? Seven years he works. They have a big wedding. He doesn't realize the dad deceives him. He marries Leah. Sounds familiar, right? So he wakes up in the morning. You're not Rachel. You're Leah. Well, hello. Whatever. Whatever. We won't go there. So he has to work another seven years to marry Rachel. So not only did he deceive and did he manipulate and scheme, but now he is being deceived and manipulated and schemed. And so we attract what we are. We attract what we do. We attract what's around us. Unless we can find a way through it and find where God is in our situation, it's just a cycle that will repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. So one day he hears that Esau... When he's 97, is on his way. Now, how many know when you've taken an inheritance, a blessing, and not just like a blessing, I'm going to pray over you, but it's a physical inheritance, property, items, everything, servants, you name it. It was all Jacob's. But he hears one day that Esau's on his way, and not only is he on his way to talk to him, he's bringing 400 men with him. I'd probably be a little scared. I mean, Esau, even if he's in his 90s, uh, is still the strong one. He's the hunter. Jacob is not known as the strong one and the hunter. He is the kitchen guy. He's the one with the pan. Pan's not going to do a whole lot against a bow and arrow. So he's scared. He gathers all his family, his sons, and it says that he goes and he starts to meet him, but he sends servants out with gifts. Go appease Esau. So he's doing what he's good at. He's manipulating the situation. Just make it better. Make it right. Do everything we can to hold off the anger, just, I may or may not have done wrong, but he needs to calm down. Anybody ever done that in an argument? I'm usually right in an argument, just want to say. I know, I know. But there are times where i got to lay my weapons down and be like, all right, you can sleep on the couch. <laughs> no. Sometimes we have to lay our pride down and go, okay, I have to do this right. But he doesn't do that. Still at 97, he's in the same cycle, doing the same thing over and over. He still hasn't learned his lesson. So it says, Genesis 32, and he arose that night and took his two wives, that could be the problem, <laughs> his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the fort of Jabbok and, and took them, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. And then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with the angel. So Jacob wasn't a young man. The fact that he maybe limped and had a, a hip that was really sore, I would imagine at 97 was not unusual. But what made this unusual? It was the fact that Jacob was in the same position that he was in the beginning of his life. 
He wrestled then and he's wrestling now. He didn't learn the lesson. Even 97 years later, he was still doing the same things over and over and over. You hear about Jacob in the womb and he tries to grab what's not his. You hear about him in his 40s and he takes what's not his. You hear about him in his 70s, he takes what's not his. And now he's at the brook, 97 years old, and he's wrestling with an angel. And what does he do with the angel? Bless me. I will not let go until you bless me. He's doing the same thing again, over and over and over. And again, sometimes a blessing is worth losing if it's not of God. But it says in, let's see, Genesis 32, 26. And he said to the angel, let, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? Fine time to get acquainted, right? Like you're in the middle of wrestling an angel. Your hip is now broken out of socket. And the angel's like, hey, what's your name? Dude, really? You want to know my name? Like you just broke my hip. We're wrestling with an angel dude alone in the middle of the night next to a brook. I've got my brother coming with 400 of his men, probably ready to kill me. My family is now gone, and you want to get acquainted. Just my thought. So he said, my name is Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So where was it in those set of verses where Jacob, the scheming, the manipulating, the deceiver, all of a sudden now he's called Israel? Israel means prevailer, someone who's triumphant. So the angel says, okay, because you told me your name was Jacob, I'm going to call you blessed. You get my blessing. So what was it in, in those, obviously we read it in sentences, this could have gone on for hours, but basically Jacob comes back and says, my name is Jacob. Here's what I think. I think it was a do-over. I think God in the beginning said, who are you? And to his father, he said, I'm Esau. But now he's willing to admit who he really is. I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm the schemer. I'm the one that nobody wants to be around. I'm the manipulator. I'm the liar. I'm the one who goes and takes what's not mine and then calls it mine. I'm the one who takes the blessing from somebody else and I don't really care. I'm Jacob. That's who I am. And the angel says, you know, because you were willing to admit who you are and who you've been, I'm going to call you Israel. I'm going to give you a new name. And that new name is going to mean that you have strived with man and you have strived with God and you have won. You've been triumphant. Can you imagine living 97 years before you finally hear God say, well done? 97 years, the same cycle over and over. I would imagine Jacob, if he was like a woman <laughs> and thinking everything through, he probably thought, I could have resolved this 97 years ago. I could have finished this off in my 40s or my 70s, but I waited until now. All I had to do was admit who I really am to God, not even to man. He just had to admit his faults to God. Sometimes we're so prideful in who we are that we don't want to let anybody know that we have a chink in our armor. We don't want anybody to know we don't have it all together. We don't want anybody to know that we come to church after an argument with our spouse or our kids we don't want anybody to know that we go home and we're sad. We close the drapes. 
we're having a hard time, we're depressed, we don't feel good, but we come and put on this face at church in front of God, and we act like Jacob, we got it all together, it's okay, I got it together, I'm Jacob. But when he finally admitted who he really was, God was like, I'm going to bless that, only because you admitted it. How cool is that? So it says he blessed them there. You know, we serve a God of compassion and mercy. Instead of looking at Jacob's past, he looked at Jacob's future and said, I know what you have been. I know what you say you are, but I know who you can be. I know what I've made you, and I've made you triumphant. Man has, has called you this, but God calls you this. But, you know, we find as we go later in the verses that Jacob doesn't always call himself Jacob. You know, sometimes Jacob refers to Jacob as Israel. Like, wouldn't you want people to know God has called me victorious? God has called me triumphant? But even Paul said, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. So in other words, I believe there was these points in Jacob's life where sometimes he felt like he had it all together. I am triumphant. I know who I am in Christ. I am a new believer I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And then there's times in his life where he's like, I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I'm a deceiver. I have failed. They call me stupid. They call me dumb. They say I'm not worth it. They say I messed up again. It's not even worth coming back. I'm Jacob. And then you wake up the next morning in a good mood. You had a good cup of coffee. I am triumphant. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And then it's Friday. You go out with your friends. I'm an I'm a alcoholic. I'm addicted to cigarettes. I smoke pot. I do this. I stole. And you go home, and I'm Jacob. But then you get up on Sunday morning, and you have your cup of coffee and don't do it at church. You're like, I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And you go back and forth in this cycle. Sometimes you're Jacob. Sometimes you're Isaac. Sometimes people are like, oh, there's Jacob. Oh, no, that's Isaac. It's a cycle over and over and over again. But, you know, it was tenacity that took Jacob to Isaac. Because it says in Genesis 32, 26, let me go for it is daybreak. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, here's the difference. When he was with his father taking Esau's blessing, he didn't argue with his dad. He just lied. No, I'm Esau. I deserve this. Yes, I'm Esau. No, I may sound like Jacob, but I'm Esau. But now he's wrestling with God, saying, I am Jacob. Bless me. I'm Jacob. Now he knows who his God is. Back then, it was his father's God. It was Isaac's God. That was his dad. That is your God. Now this is my God. My God, bless me where I am. You see who I am. This is who I am. I'm the liar. I'm the cheat. I'm the adulterer, I am this, I am that, I am what the world calls me, but God, just bless me. Because he knew that the blessing that he had in his 40s, the blessing that he had in his 70s, the blessing that he had all the way up to 97 was not a true blessing. It was good, but it wasn't God. I know a lot of people who live a really good life, really good life. There are a lot of good people, a lot of really nice people. They do a lot for other people but they don't know God. They know the God of Isaac, but they don't know their God. They know who that God is. They know what the Bible says. You can have a theologian that can quote verses, but they could be an atheist. 
I could study literature. That doesn't mean anything. To an atheist, all the Bible is is another book of literature. Until that literature becomes true life, until that literature becomes real, until we can come and not focus on the fact that we need prayer every single Sunday for the same thing. i got to break this habit. I, oh, gosh, I thought I was free from it, but I went through this week, and I went back again. You come back to the altar. Or, you know, you crave the, the word of a prophet, not realizing God gave his whole word to us. But yet we, we seek out the word of a prophet. I'm not saying prophets are bad. I'm all about prophesying. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's ordained by God. But when you come to church looking for that one person to give you the right sentence, just to confirm, you know, open up your Bible. What does God say about your situation? Pray on it. Find peace. You know, don't follow man's opportunity. Follow God's peace. That's where you find truth. You don't find it in man. Man's going to fail. I promise. Every single time. We can have a prophet come in. They can speak a word. They can pray over you. They can prophesy over you. But they're man. Take that word home, compare it to the word of God, pray over it, cry over it, bless it. God, if this is truly you, thank you for it. Make it come to pass. I know you're my healer. That's not a prophecy. That's in the word of God. I know you're my provider. That's not a prophecy. That's in the word of God. Find, exactly, find the promises that are in the Bible. Find what God says about you. You are loved. You are his beloved. You are his faithful you are called, you are redeemed, you are set free. Depends on what kind. <laughs> All right, verse 29 says, he says, tell me your name, I pray. And the angel said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. You know, I sat on this. Why, why did he not say his name? Why, when he said, when Jacob says to the angel you're wrestling with, I mean, he gave him his name. I'm Jacob. He kind of gave everything about him. But yet when he asked the angel his name, the angel says, why are you asking my name? Why would he not tell him? Why was it such a big deal just to pass it over? Because we know it had to be a big deal. It's in the Bible. Nothing's just there just for, for fluff. God puts it all in for a reason. So, you know, the more I thought about it, I believe that God put that there and the angel didn't answer him because God didn't show up in his journey at that moment to tell him who God was. God showed up in the, in the journey at that moment to tell him who he was in God. It wasn't a time for him to sit down and say, oh, let me tell you all about God. Let me tell you about the God of Abraham and Isaac. Let me tell you all about him. No, he already knew about him because he said in the other story, he said, I know you're God. So he knew about him. It was not a time for the angel to say, oh, yeah, let me, let me give you my name. I'm going to tell you all about who I am. No, he showed up to tell you about who you are in Christ. See, Jacob is who Jacob is in the world. That's what Jacob's called by the world standards. But Israel is who Jacob is in God. So he had those times where he went back and forth. I'm Jacob, but now I am Israel in God. In Christ this is who I am. Without Christ, I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. I'm in Christ. I'm Israel. How many feel like you have dual personalities sometimes? I know my husband does. No, I just... I had to throw it in. You put me under the bus every time you're up here. All right. See, they're on my side. They're on my side. <laughs> 
<laughs> just saying, just saying. All right. <laughs> we get to Exodus. <laughs> and Jacob slash Israel has now, he's died. He's passed on. And there's a new guy on the scene. It's Moses. And in Exodus 3, it says that Moses is standing at the burning bush. And God comes to him and says, I need you to go free my people. I'm giving you my version, my paraphrase. I need you to go back to Egypt. Go to Pharaoh and free my people. And this is where Moses gives, Moses gives all of his, you know, I don't think I can do that or what if and all those, you know, we do all those. And so Moses says, well, who am I going to say sent me? How are they going to know who's, who, I, who I was sent by? And God, the burning bush, says, tell him I am. Tell him I am sent you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not Israel. Why isn't it, why don't we say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel? Wouldn't you think that God would be the God of the good side? Like, that's my good side. God, I want you to represent my good side. But he says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because God is the God of our bad side, and God is the God of our good side. Why did he not say Israel? I truly believe because God is saying, I want you to know in everything that you are, when you are redeemed and you're Israel, you are still Jacob, but you're redeemed. And even when God tells about you to other generations in a whole book, he records it over and over, even in the New Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why not Israel? Why can't God record the side of my good side because he did he redeemed jacob over and over every time we tell the story of abraham isaac and jacob my fathers abraham isaac and jacob we're saying listen god redeemed it over and over it doesn't matter the bad side of me i know who i am in christ and in christ i'm israel but i want you to know you may look at me like i'm jacob but i'm not i'm israel but God still approves who I am. And who you are today may not always look like Israel. It may not always look like the good side, but God still looks at you as Israel. But he wants people to know it doesn't matter what your hangups are. It doesn't matter what your habits are. It doesn't matter. As long as you keep walking in Christ, God sees you who you are. It's okay. It's okay to call you Jacob. It's okay to recognize you know, in Revelations, it says, we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Your testimony is something that you testify. It's something you talk about. You know, I, I got one or two bad sides. A couple of them. There you go. They weren't quick enough with the couch, but that's okay. I, we all have a different side to us. But I know at the end of the day, when I lay my head on the pillow and I close my eyes, it doesn't matter how many people are around me, I'm alone with God. And who am I between me and God? I know that I am redeemed. I know that he calls me loved. I know that he calls me chosen. He calls me forgiven. He, calls, he sees me who I was meant to be. Isn't that awesome that God doesn't see us by our choices? He sees us by who he created us in our mother's womb. Like long before we were ever born, we have this, this look, we have this, 
this calling on our lives. And whether or not we are ever even intended to walk that way, God sees us that way. And he goes, oh, no, I see you healed. I see you forgiven. I see you set free. Don't worry. I don't, I don't look at that. You're forgiven. And that doesn't mean it's a license to go out and do whatever you just want to do. Because, you know, you're going to reap the harvest. All it does is come back on you and others around you. Don't let that happen. God still is going to call you redeemed and set free. God still is going to call you loved and precious in his sight and all the other things that the word of God says about us. But, you know, when you live in the life of Jacob, you reap the harvest of Jacob. When you live in the life of Israel, you're going to reap the harvest of Israel. And how many know even the people of God are called Israelites? A whole nation, a whole people of God. He was redeemed in such a way that it saved a whole nation. Now, it doesn't mean that everything about those people was a done deal, but it meant that God saw what they were intended to be. This is who I have planned for you. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even the bad side of me, you have taken it in and called me blessed. It says this as I end here. It says in John 3, the disciple John says this, and I I have kind of put this together from uh, the message version. He says, listen carefully. I'm telling you the truth about what I know, have seen, and experienced with my own eyes even, but still you won't believe me. It was necessary for the Son of God to be lifted up on the cross in order that everyone who believes in him, who cleaves to him, and who trusts in him may not be destroyed but have a real life. How many would like a real life? An eternal life and actually live forever. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he gave up his unique and his only son, that whoever trusts and clings to him, relies and believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. God didn't go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad they were. He came to help. He came to help. He came to help. To put the world right again. This is what I believe. This is what I believe. This is what I believe. Have you come to that point in your life? Not just that you believe in the God of Isaac, in the God of Jacob. Have you come to the point that you truly believe you are called and set aside? You truly believe that God sees you as he intended for you to be, who he created you to be. He sees you at your potential. And not even your potential, your potential in Christ. Because the word says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If you can do anything, do you truly believe that? Like, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. All of it the whole part of it, not just a portion of it, not just when it's time for a blessing, not just when it's time for a, oh, God forgives me, all of it, every time, over and over, because the Bible says his mercies are new every single day. And you know, how do we know that God's mercies are new every day unless we wake up and go, God, I thank you that your mercies are new every day. I know I failed here. I know I did this wrong. I know I could have done more, whatever it is. You can wake up and say, God, I know your mercies are new every day. Your compassion is for me. You are for me. Every part of me, you are for me. You see me at my potential, not 
at who I am right now. And I fail so short of so much of what God has. But you know, I know that in Christ, I don't fail at anything. It doesn't matter what the world throws at you. It doesn't matter what you walk by in the world and take hold of yourself. All that matters is that you cling back to God. And go, God, I know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever should just believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Only through Christ will we find the true blessing. Only through Christ will we find out who we really are, what our true potential is, what he has created for us to be. Because anything outside of that is just good. I don't want just good. I don't want to come to the altar every single Sunday for the same thing over and over. I want to know who I am in Christ. I want to know that when I walk out of here, I walk out free. And it may be hard, it may be a journey, but I'm not going to settle on the mountainside. I'm not going to settle for just good. I'm not going to settle for the mediocre Christian. I'm not going to settle for the one that's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, I had somebody online, I posted something, I don't even know what it was, not to, like, in the last day, and somebody else commented they were a Christian, and this other person jumps on, and was like, oh my gosh, all you crazy Christians shouting all your stuff, and blah, 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 you know, they go off, and so I wrote on, I said, you know, you shout, I'm going to shout louder, not because I want an argument, but because I want everybody to know, over your crazy voice, from the rooftops, I'm going to shout the truth. Somebody is going to hear me over all your chaos and all your crazy, all the stuff that you say you don't believe. You know, there were pagans before there were Christians. Yeah, well, there was God before there was pagans, so whatever. But, you know, I'm going to shout it louder. Don't sit back anymore and just let life go by. Don't just sit back and go, oh, today I'm Jacob. God will forgive me. No, you know, stand up for what is right. Make your voice known, and not just in politics. I'm not talking politics. I'm talking life to people around you. Stand up for truth. You know, if you see somebody hurting, drugs are not the way. You know, I can give you a dollar. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Pray for them. Don't just walk by and throw some money at them. Don't walk by and scoff at them. Don't walk by. Listen, I've done it. Hey, we did it this morning. Where I took the girls, I'll be honest, I took the girls to breakfast. I take them every morning or every Sunday morning, and this guy rides by on a bike. And I'll tell you what, he's got the nicest, shiniest bike. He's gotten a new one since we last saw him two weeks ago. It's nice. He's got nice shoes on. He's got nice Nikes. The dude's nice. And he, drive, he rides his bike, and he goes around the parking lot. Do you have any extra money? Have and we, we did it a couple times. And we... Backing out today, and he's riding by. He doesn't come to us anymore. I wasn't mean to him, but he just doesn't come to us. <laughs> so we're having a conversation. I was totally convicted. I didn't tell my girls this. We're having a conversation, and I was like, he's even got a new bike, and he's going around asking for money. But then I said, because we were saying, well, is it even legal to do that? And I said, you know, he's not saying he's homeless. He's, he's not saying what his need is. He's just saying he wants money. He's Jacob. Just give me the blessing. Just give me. Just give me. I, I, want, I want what you have. Just give me what you got. He needs Jesus. Yeah, I can give you a dollar. I can give you a hundred dollars. Well, I don't have a hundred dollars. I can give you a dollar. <laughs> it's just, it's a worldly blessing. 
Stand up for what you believe. Don't be a Jacob all the time, but know that God is in your Jacob because he sees your Israel. Amen. Would you stand up? Listen, as we close the service today, if you have something you need prayer for, we are going to have people up here for prayer. We want you to get prayer. We want to come into agreement with you. But as you leave today, you know, take your Jacob and know who you are in Christ. It's not over what you did yesterday. God sees it, sees who you are. Amen. Lord, we come before you. I thank you for this congregation as we are all here. Lord, I pray that you would give us moments, even today as we leave, that we will see ourselves not just as Jacob, but as who you have called us to be, as Israel. Lord, that you would help us to bless others and not just take a blessing where we want the blessing. Let us be the blessing to those around us, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Thank you for joining us today at DP City Church. We would love the opportunity to pray for you, and we are believing God will do big things in your life this year. You can contact us at info.dpcitychurch.com. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can visit www.dpcitychurch.com. Thanks again. God bless.